0: a a beautiful vision. I'm just a little tiny girl, right? this beautiful vision of God on God's hands and knees with with His face to the floor of heaven crying. You know, I I just, this little girl, and he looked at God and said, God, why are you crying? And God said, because, Kayla, it hurts me so much to see you hurt and crying. But I want you to know I'm allowing this to happen. I'm God. I can stop things whenever I want. I'm allowing this to happen so that when you grow up, you can use this for me.
1: You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutsch.
2: Hello, Altered Story Show listeners. This is your Chief Storyteller host, Michelle Saunders Gutch. And welcome to my season two, episode 109, Kayla's Creating Hope and Possibilities God Stories. And thank you for listening to my show that is part of the Spark Media Network and the Edify app that helps Christian women share their God stories so women around the world can hear them and never feel alone. Friends, I hope you are doing well and that you and your families are being blessed and you are enjoying listening to my God's Story show. If you have a favorite episode you've listened to, I'd love to know what that is. Also friends, I would appreciate feedback and would love to hear from you. So do please leave me a review on my website, or on Apple Podcasts. So now, friends, enough of me chattering. It's time to get this show started. And today, I'm excited to bring to the mic my special guest and new sister in Christ and philanthropic friend, Kayla Bradham. And I was blessed to connect with this lovely lady over LinkedIn and in person. At an NFL draft event. Woohoo! And that was sponsored by her company, the Sports Philanthropy Network. And Kayla is a strategic and inspirational influencer, friend. She is, she's amazing and a storyteller. And she serves as the executive VP of the Sports Philanthropy Network. She also hosts the Legacy After the Locker Room podcast, and she loves community engagement, is passionate about community impact for women and girls in sports, social justice and advocacy, faith-based organizations, and the youth. So now let's bring her to the mic to get to know her. Welcome to the Altered Story Show, Kayla. How are you doing today? Um, Michelle, I'm wonderful.
0: First of all, thank you so much for bringing me on. I feel honored to be in your presence.
2: Oh my gosh, thank you. I'm honored to be in yours. And you know, I didn't mention a whole lot about your personal life here, but is there anything personally that you want to share that I haven't?
0: Well, you did a great job. Thank you for sharing my bio so eloquently. Um, I guess the one thing I would add, Michelle, is truly I've dedicated my life to creating hope and possibility for others. I'm a single mom with eight kids in Milwaukee. I know that I'm creating a legacy. I've ended or am ending a lot of generational curses. At some point, I'm going to die. And my kids are the most important thing on this earth to me. And I want them to be able to say to their children and their grandchildren, "Halo worked hard her whole life to create hope and to create possibility for
2: others. Oh, that's powerful, gal. Powerful, powerful. And man, for a mama of eight. Wow. I don't know how you do it. I so honor you, honor you, honor you. Because I was a single mom with just one for a while. So to have eight, wowza. So. Let's talk a little bit about your podcast and your org, because we want to give you that opportunity to share a little bit about that, too, before we jump into your God's story. So can you share with us what it's about, the Legacy After the Locker Room podcast? You know, we also do and I do another podcast, right, that we've talked about. But I want to hear what this one's about.
0: So thank you, Michelle. The Legacy After the Locker Room podcast has over 100 episodes where I work with former professional athletes to talk about what happened when they hung up their cleats. Where did life take them? How are they creating hope and possibility after sports ends? And I got to be honest with you. I'm on my little summer break right now, and I'm actually recording about 50 videos with college athletes all across the country about how they're using their NIL to create hope and possibility through sports. I'll give you a great example. There's a kid named Luke Eberly who plays soccer at Liberty University. You want to talk about God stories? This is why I'm bringing him up. Plays soccer soccer at Liberty University since last August. Luke has donated $45,000 plus for his charity of choice, which is Samaritan's Feet International. That's a Christian organization that provides shoes to underserved kids across the world. Luke has donated over 2,000 pairs of shoes to the Ukraine. He's donated shoes at Liberty University's community as well as his hometown community. Michelle, guess how much money Luke kept? because it's his NIL, it's his name, image, and likeness. You know how much money he's kept? Goose eggs, $45,000 in less than a year by a full-time college student who will go pro to a Christian organization because he believes in the power of NIL. And do you think the media is ever gonna pick up that story? Probably not.
2: Why God has you where you are, lady. And that's why I am so blessed to be here and our paths have crossed. God put us here. So this is all a God thing. And hey, isn't he amazing? So uh, thank you for sharing that. And tell us just a hair about the Sports Philanthropy Network. Can you? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I love to talk about the work we're doing. We're a nonprofit organization. We started about four years ago. And you want to hear the God story? I'll give you a real, real God story in this. When I was a little girl, we were poor. Michelle, we were poor, poor. Um, You know, we were so poor, we didn't have a car. Sometimes we didn't have a phone. Sometimes we didn't have a TV. And when I say that, people shake their head and I say, no, wait. We were so poor. My mom didn't have a driver's license and then people get it. So, you know, that time in grade school where you get to sign up for band and you get to sign up for sports and it's like, yes, I wanted to be the best alto saxophone player like Chuck Mangione and I wanted to play baseball. So when I got those permission slips, I was so excited. And first off, my teacher said, okay, you have the baseball permission slip. You need the softball. And I looked at her like, what? She's like, oh, girls can't play baseball, honey. You have to play softball. And number one, big red flag, right? But I go home and I'm all excited. So now I have softball and band. And my mom looks at me and she said, money doesn't grow on trees. You're not doing any of that. And I felt hopeless. It was the first time, Michelle, in my life that I remember what hopelessness felt like. And I went back to school the next day and my teacher was collecting permission slips and I gave her mine. And she said, Kayla, I think you forgot to fill this out. And I looked at my teacher. And I said, I didn't forget money doesn't grow on trees. And Michelle, I started crying. And it just blew out of me that I realized some people have stuff, and some people don't. And when you're a kid, you don't have any power in that. And To carry that story over, an anonymous benefactor paid for my registration fees that summer for softball. I'm 50 years old. I have no idea to this day who paid for it. And I don't want to know people ask me all the time, a pivotal moment in your life, and you don't want to say thank you. And I say, I promise I don't because the only person I can thank is God. And that's the power of giving in in secret, right? And we know we're told to give generously in secret. So I'm this little girl, I'm playing third base in left field. I'm not that great, but I'm having a ton of fun and it's a beautiful summer afternoon. And I look up at the sky and I say, God, if you're real, when I grow up, can you help me do this for other people? Now, fast forward, I'm at a Tony Robbins event at the United Center with over 11,000 people. And Tony Robbins does this. He brings you back to the time in your life when you felt hopeless and he has you sit there and feel those emotions. And then he brings you forward to the present and says, how were you going to use those feelings?" To change the world—that's your power. That's your de- destiny. That's unleashing the power within. That doesn't uh, contradict my feelings and faith or anything else because I believe that's why God gives us our experiences so we can change the world. So I went back to that moment and I said, "God, help me create hope and possibility, and answer the prayer from my little girl softball day, Michelle, that very same day." In 11,000 plus people at the United Center. I meet my partner, co-founder of the Sports Philanthropy Network, Roy, and he says to me, Hey, you know, I have this crazy idea. Your background looks like you might be on board with this. I want to create a nonprofit that builds stronger, healthier, and more inclusive communities through sports. Now put this together. I wanna create hope and possibility through sports. And this stranger that I just met says, I wanna build stronger, healthier and more inclusive communities through sport. Do you think that's God? I do. So uh, that was uh, almost five years ago to the day, we worked hard, built out the structure for the nonprofit Sports Philanthropy Network. And Michelle, we're going strong to create hope and possibility through sports, or as he would say, Build stronger, healthier, and more inclusive communities through sports.
2: That's God. That's my God. Oh, yes. That is such a cool little bonus perk of a God story, friends, that we have just heard. So what an encouragement. And I cannot wait to see where God's going to take it. And I'm going to be so honored to be an ambassador on that council here in the Kansas city area to be part of this movement that God is working. Can I, can I take, can I take a moment and promote you there? Because
0: what, what an honor folks, if you're listening to this, you know, what a great podcast host Michelle is, but for us to bring her on to our Kansas city network, a leadership council of the 20 most influential leaders in Kansas City to create that hope, to create that possibility, to be a pillar, a servant leader, to change the community. That's your podcast host. And we're just so honored that she's on board joining us with our mission and our vision. So thanks, Michelle.
2: Well, it's a God thing. And I give God all the glory for everything. And whatever I can do to bring healing and hope, I'm going to do that no matter where I go, where I lead, where God puts me. So he's got it. So, you know, Kayla, we're going to get back to the Altered Story Show and the God Story pieces. And, you know, I love to share these women's God stories and the transformation around them. That's why I call it the Altered Story Show, because we have an alteration that transpires and takes place when we surrender to God or God leads us to where he has us. And I just would like to know why you think it's so important for women to share their stories, their God stories of redemption.
0: Um, For me, everything in my life centers around creating hope and possibility. I think it's so difficult to be vulnerable and to be transparent, right? Um, we live in a world where we don't talk about trauma, especially if you're over 40. We all grew up in homes where we didn't talk about things that we were going through, the things that we saw behind closed doors. If if you were a Gen Xer, you weren't even behind the closed walls, you were outside all day, right? So everybody that I've ever spoken with has had traumatic experiences in their life. Those are the things that mold us and create our character. Those are the fires that we walk through to be redeemed and and to become gold, right? To to get our crowns. It's not easy to to share that though, right? So for me, I I speak about this frequently especially with middle school and high school kids. I grew up severely physically, sexually and emotionally abused. I'm 50 years old. I don't know who my birth father is. I can remember, Michelle, I'm guessing somewhere between first and third grade, laying on a bed upstairs. And um, people who are abused tend to sort of block out what's happening in the moment and go someplace else. But when I realized that I was just there in that bed and the tears were just streaming down my eyes, I had a, a... beautiful vision i'm just a little tiny girl right with this beautiful vision of god on god's hands and knees with with his face to the floor of heaven crying and I, I i just this little girl and he looked at god and said god why are you crying and god said because Kayla, it hurts me so much to see you hurt and crying but I want you to know I'm allowing this to happen. I'm God. I can stop things whenever I want. I'm allowing this to happen so that when you grow up, you can use this for me. I was a little girl. I was a little girl. But from that moment on, I knew a few things. I knew God had power, that God has control. God can stop things or let them happen whenever God wants. I knew God loved me and cared about me and wept for me. And I knew God had a plan for my future. I knew in all of the things, I wasn't even going to die. There were times as a child, I thought I was going to die. I knew I wasn't going to die because I knew God said, when you grow up, this is how you're going to change the world. And I felt like I could allow all of these traumatic experiences to happen in my childhood, knowing that God already had a plan for me. And I'm talking first to third grade, right? Like I look at it as an adult and I'm like, wow, that's so powerful. And I could write a book about that. I'm talking about the heart and mind of a child, hearing from God and learning just how real God is in all of the magnificence and
2: the power and the glory. There's a lot that you've shared there. And part of that, I'm sure, is part of your God story around the hope and possibilities that you're creating and what God has um, moved in your life to do as a result of that. But, you know, I don't know what all you would like to share in addition to what you're you're sharing and have shared, but I would like you to take us back, just kind of set the stage to where Kayla began. We're where does your creating hope and possibilities God's story begin?
0: I think, first of all, it begins around normalizing mental health. Um, again, I, w- I want to talk about trauma and this concept of being able to be vulnerable around trauma. People didn't talk about mental health when I was a child. I was born in 1973, for anybody who's listening to this. And I want to. Honor my mom. I want to respect my mom, but I also want to be vulnerable. Um, If my mom had gone to a doctor back then, I'm pretty sure that the doctors would have said that my mom was dealing with some mental health issues. And I don't blame my mom. Um, In fact, I did a Bible study. My mom died of cancer at the age of 52. Um, At the time, I had a six-month-old baby, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old. And I wanted to make sure that my mom knew before she died that I forgave her. And I didn't want to just say, I forgive you. I actually went through a very deep Bible study on forgiveness to make sure that in my heart, I had unraveled everything that was causing confusion between my brain and my heart. So that I could tell my mom in full confidence, mom, God loves you. Jesus died for you. I love you. And I forgive you completely. Be at peace. And I feel like that made such a difference in my mom's life. Um, She recommitted her life to Christ while she was dying in the presence of myself and my children. And I think that's like such a beautiful, beautiful thing to witness and My mom knew she was dying. She was diagnosed with advanced stage four cancer. She had a very short amount of time to live. But I know that when my mom died, she knew that she was forgiven, not just by me, but by her creator. And so when we speak about God's stories, I always want to come back to mental health. I want to come back to trauma. And I want to remind people, Michelle, that all of our trauma all of the bad things that we experience, God could stop them in a moment. God gives us those experiences to transform us into new people, into the people he created us to be so that we can truly create hope and possibility and bring glory to his name and say, this is what my past was. Because of God's grace, because of mercy, because of the fruits of the spirit and the joy in my life, this is my hope. This is my promise. This is my future. This is my God. Does that make sense?
2: When did you actually come to a relationship with Jesus Christ?
0: Number one, I feel like I always knew that God was God. And I'll give you an example. In all of the physical, sexual, emotional abuse as a child, my nearest Catholic church was, I'm guessing, about two miles away. And I can remember being five years old and walking by myself to church every Sunday, right? I kid you not, every single Sunday, I would find a quarter on the sidewalk, a quarter. It was always a quarter every Sunday. And every quarter, I would put that quarter in the offering basket, knowing that God gave me the quarter to give it back. I never kept it. I always gave it back. And it was always a quarter on the way to church. It's like some old person sitting on their porch must have known that I was going to walk to church and threw a quarter on the sidewalk every Sunday. That's God right? So I knew God was God because no kid finds a quarter every Sunday on their way to church. It could be negative 11. I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin. If it was negative 11, I was putting on my boots and I was trudging my way through the snow to get to church as a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old, you name it. I knew God gave me quarters so I could give my quarter back to God. But I did not have a saving grace relationship with God. I had a, if I give my quarter to God, God will be pleased with me relationship with God. So I had my first child. I got her baptized. I had my second child. And Michelle was freaking out because I couldn't get her baptized because there were a shortage of priests in my little small town rural community. And I was really worried because wonder if my little girl died. I wouldn't know that she was going to heaven because she wasn't baptized. So I started getting really upset with God and saying, like, God, what are you doing here? You should want my kid baptized. If you love me, she should be getting baptized. What are you doing? Why is there a church please And so my grandfather was dying of cancer at that time. It's 2000. And uh, I actually went to visit my grandfather in the hospital. And I just happened to see a nun in a hallway. And I said, hey. Really having a struggle here. Like I've got this baby and she's cute and chunky and gorgeous and curly hair, but I can't get her baptized. And the nun looked and she's like, "Yeah, we really are having a problem, aren't we?" I said, "Listen, I don't know if this is okay or not, but can you baptize my kid?" And she looks at me and she kind of looks her and she's like, "I don't know if I'm supposed to do that or not, but come on, let's go." So my nun, my little baby was baptized by a nun in a hospital in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and then I started going. Is this good enough? Does it count if it's by a nun and not a priest? Do women have as much power as men? Can women baptize kids? Does it count if it's not in church? So I started shaking my fist at God, right? And and let's be honest. I think we've all shaken our fist at God, but we don't want to admit it. I'm telling you guys, I was shaking my fist at God. God, you know, I love you. What's going on? I'm getting angry here. You need to baptize my kids gets worse and worse and worse. And God's not listening to my prayer, Michelle. So finally I tell God, listen, God, I'm not playing around here. If you don't get that little girl baptized by the end of this year, I'm going to leave the Catholic church. Just telling you, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave the Catholic church and I'm going to go somewhere else with both of my kids. And that's going to be the end of it. The first Sunday in 2001, I get out the big old phone book. I said, God, I told you, You know me, you know, I'm not kidding. When I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. That's it. I open up the yellow pages, Michelle, go to churches. First one is an A. It says assembly of God. I have no idea what that is, but I just packed my kids up. I told my husband, hey, I'm going to go to this assembly of God church today with the kids. You can come with me or you can stay home. He's like, I'm Southern Baptist. I'm not going to an assembly of God church. And I said, okay, well, I'm going. So I took the kids. I went to the church. I walk in and they're like, hi, welcome. Would you like to put your kids in the nursery? I said, wait, what's a nursery? Like, you don't just keep your kids with you and tell them to be quiet when they're trying to play with the old lady's hair in front of you. They're like, no, we have a nursery. You can bring them in. You can keep them with you, whatever makes you happy. And I put them in the nursery because I had never had an experience of just sitting by myself as an adult without a couple of kids bouncing on knees. And Michelle heard this story that said, God is standing the other side of the door, waiting for you. And all God is asking for you to do is step through the door in faith that there's nothing you can do to be good enough for God, that you can only say, Jesus died for me, and I want to live for him. And faith is what's required, not works said that I started crying like crazy. Like I'm looking around Michelle for like the kneeler things. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't even know it's where am I supposed to kneel so I can pray. And I'm just crying and crying and people are coming around and they're praying with me. And I'm saying like, oh, I don't know what's going on, but this is so amazing. Like I never knew that God loved me so much that all I had to do was have faith. My whole life, I didn't know if I was working hard enough. I've been picking up quarters my whole life to give back quarters to Jesus. And you're telling me that God loves me and that's enough. And so, I, Michelle, I say it like this. I feel like it was the first time somebody had said to me, walk by faith, knowing that Jesus loved you, that Jesus died for you, and that you don't have to be good enough. You don't have to have a clean enough house. You don't have to be the perfect mom, the perfect wife, the perfect daughter, that you can just walk and know and have a blessed assurance. And to this day, it's like, oh, it's that simple. Why do we complicate it? Why do we make it so hard? Walk through the door and say, God, I love you. Thank you so much for dying for my sins. I want the confidence and the peace and the joy to know that I am enough. And that's
2: the key to mental health. That is hugely important to mental health. That is a breakthrough for mental health. So I am so grateful to God that uh, you are bringing that up because there's such a freedom that comes in that. So I'm assuming, did you stay there with your children and kind of bring them up there at that church? And then did you get a little bit more into the Bible or kind of what, what was your journey there as you continued to grow in your faith?
0: Life is a journey, right? So my husband was Southern Baptist and we grew together. Um, he started coming to church with me. We did Bible studies together. Um, we raised our children. And as you grow and you learn and you sort things out and you find, oh, I don't know if I actually really stand on this precipice of this organization. And you realize that churches are organizations, they're not perfect. And you explore and you learn and you grow and you move to different cities and and different things like that. So on my journey, um, briefly, grew up Catholic, was saved and committed my life to Jesus in an assembly of God church, tried home churching, tried some very strict, uh, women wear dresses, sort of homeschooling churches, um, explore different things, right? And I think it's okay. I, I would say if you're in a church that doesn't really hit all of your big buttons, number one, realize that there's nothing, there's no perfect church. Realize that God wants you in fellowship with believers and understand that you're not married a building, you're married to your Lord and Savior. So it's okay to go and find the right church for you, for your family. Um, I'll give you an example. Michelle, you know, I have eight kids. As I've grown and explored, I realize how much I love having my kids in church with me. So it's really important to me as a single mom with eight kids, that when I go to church, they're not going to try scooping off my children thinking that they're blessing me by putting them in kids clubs. Because one of my greatest joys is experiencing church with my family. And so for me, you know, just like you find those big buttons, one of them is, you know, the church that I go to, Doesn't bat an eye that maybe we're talking about uh, sexual sin and my nine-year-old is there. Because for me, I'm okay with that. We talk about things in my home that some families wouldn't speak with with a nine-year-old. That's okay. No judgment. But also no judgment to me that I don't mind that my kids are in church.
2: That was kind of what I wanted to find out from your perspective, because, you know, we're all different. In kind of our backgrounds and our beliefs in how we worship God, you know, and so um I just kind of wanted to see how God brought you full circle and, you know, where you are now. And I would love to also know in terms of your trauma uh, in your background and kind of where you went from you know being in those hard places um to where you are now walking in freedom did you have to get some additional counseling um or you know how how did god work through the healing process in your healing journey there
0: thank you so um let me start by saying where the freedom of the lord is or where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom right Uh, There is freedom in the Lord. And so I'm going to back up just a bit to really take your listeners full circle, because I think I'm pretty normal and ordinary. So for anybody who has dealt with physical, sexual or emotional abuse, um, I never said anything to anybody about different areas of that. I told my mom about the sexual abuse, my mom and my aunt, when I was in high school, and I had to go to counseling. The thing is, I wasn't ready for counseling. I wasn't ready to speak about those things. And um, for a lot of survivors, they've been told things like, if you tell anybody, these are the people that I'm going to hurt. I'm going to hurt you last. You're going to watch me hurt the people that you love. And that's sort of that fear tactic to make sure nobody tells. And I think a lot of listeners will be shaking their head as they hear this. Um, so that counseling in high school didn't work. I I dreaded every time that I was driving, there. like, oh, no, they're going to try to talk about this. I don't want to talk about it. Caused a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. It made a lot of the mental health issues worse because I was still in the, the place of ignore repress, suppress. That never happened. I'm not dealing with it. My first fight with my my husband at that time, our first fight, I actually took out a butcher knife and had the butcher knife ready to stab him. And he puts my arms up against the wall. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I said, what? And He's like, honey, that that's not the way adults fight. And I said, what? And he's like, I'm never going to hurt you. I said, wait, no, you're going to try to kill me. This is how it works. And he's like, Kayla, that's not how it works. That's not what healthy relationships are. And I say that, Michelle, because we only know what we know. So to me, I thought that normal meant somebody's going to take out a butcher knife or break a glass soda bottle or take out a gun. And that's what's going to happen. Somebody's going to try to run to the police station. Somebody who can run faster is going to get them and pull them back by the hair. And somebody's going to get beat up because they tried to tell the police. And I know that sounds crazy, but that craziness is many people's reality. That was my reality. So for my husband at that time to put my hands up against the wall, I looked at him and said, is this a trick? Are you just saying this, so I dropped the butcher knife so that you can try to kill me? And he looked at me, and he he just looked and his face raw. He said, "No, you don't understand. That's not the way grown-ups fight, Kayla. And I said, "Oh, well, can you teach me? He's like, yeah, I'm going to use some cuss words and I'm going to be really mad at you and you're going to be upset and you're going to cry and you're going to say some mean things to me. Then you're probably going to go in the bathroom and cry and I'm going to come knock on the door and say, I'm sorry. Then we're going to kiss and make up and then we're going to talk about it. Then we're going to go on a date. And I said, oh, is that what everybody else does? It's like, yep. And, and I, I was like, oh, well, that's not bad. It's like, no, it's really cool. I, taking a part is great. And I was like, it, got it. So, so we start with the counseling that didn't work, to the trained behavior, which clearly didn't work, to another point in my life where I said, Oh my gosh, as a believer, I have a maternal obligation to my children to not be so far to the left or so far to the right that my own children don't have balance. I need to get myself right to be the mom that God created me to be. I started figuring out the wife part a little bit, not perfect by any means, but how was I going to be the mom? How was I not going to repeat the same things, you know, um, the yelling, the screaming, the spankings that went too far, things like that. So I went to counseling, I sought Christian counseling, and I really learned skills, right? More than, I mean, the most important thing I learned was how to forgive, how to accept, how to process and how to deal with my trauma. But I also learned skills um, like when I get really angry, how am I going to behave? When I get really stressed out, how am I going to behave? When things don't go my way, when I'm in control, how am I going to behave? After I did that, I started realizing there was a lot of power in combining skills and experience and vulnerability. I actually went on and became a certified Christian counselor for women and children, because now I had the skills to actually be able to help and relate. So
2: full circle. That's really cool. Well, We're running out of time, but is there a Bible scripture Kayla from the word of god or just a verse that just resonates with you that is so powerful it's an easy
0: one Michelle um i had <laughs> i had most of my kids at home and it's always my mom so again eight kids um seven of them naturally my my last baby was the only one who got an epidural i was in my 40s um my mantra for all of my childbirth and my life verse, because I've always felt like my, my backed up in a corner. I can do all
2: things through Christ who strengthens me. That's very, very powerful. And I thank you for sharing. And, you know, I know what you have shared is going to really rock the world of so many. And thank you for being so authentic. And, you know, going into those hard places, I don't care how we are healed. It's still difficult sometimes to reflect and go back, but, you know, praise God. He is such a loving God and He helps us through those, you know, even when we may feel sad or, you know, sometimes those wounds are, you know, brought up, you know, the enemy likes to, Sometimes try to throw those against us, but we have to keep, you know, keep that positivity and keeping the word of God and, you know, keep in fellowship and all those things to continue to lift one another up and to be lifted up. So any last words for our listeners? We have a few, just a few minutes left. And I just wanted to know if you have any other last words. If
0: I can do it, so can you work hard to live generously and create hope and possibility for the people that you influence.
2: Okay. And how can others get in touch with you, Kayla, if they want to reach out? Maybe they want to bring you in to speak. You know, maybe they want to bring you as a podcast guest. Maybe they just want to reach out and have a conversation. How can others get in touch with you?
0: Well, let me say, I'm always happy to speak or be a podcast guest and share the story because it's important that we're vulnerable. Uh, My email address is kbradham, B R A D H A M, at sportsloop.com. You can find me on Instagram at Kayla Bradham, or you can find me on LinkedIn at Kayla J Bradham.
2: Okay. And thank you again for taking your time, Kayla. I am so looking forward to seeing what God's going to do with. What you're doing and how we will continue to, you know, grow together as sisters in Christ and friends. We're going to have this amazing episode out there on our website um, where you can actually learn a little bit more about Kayla's uh, contact info if needed. Um, And until the next show, friends. Be heard and be healed.
1: Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based nonprofit and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories.